As a congregation, this epiphany, we've been going through some uh, key scenes in the early books or the early pages of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, noticing what Luke is telling us and showing us about the identity and mission of Jesus. Uh, so we're continuing on with that this week, uh, looking at Luke chapter 4, 31 through 44. And as I was preparing and writing, um, I wanted to do a sermon on all these verses, but my attention kept going to the first scene. And so I'll mostly be focusing on that, but we will read the whole scene today together. Luke 4, 31 through 44. Hear what God is saying to the church. Then he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who were who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God, to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, uh, a, a while ago, I found myself on a small plane traveling from Vancouver to Victoria. It's not a long flight, maybe 20 minutes in the air or so. Since it was nighttime, the cabin was dark and the travelers were quiet. Most were trying to catch up, uh, uh, just have even just a few minutes of sleep after a long day of traveling. I was hoping to do the same, but then a 20-year-old man slid into the seat next to me. We exchanged the usual greetings, what's your name, where are you headed, etc. And I answered politely, but I kept things kind of short, hoping that he'd catch my vision for a quiet flight. And just when I thought the conversation was over, he leaned over and asked me, What do you do? I usually, I used to dread that question just a bit, but now I'm happy to share and see where things go. 
Trouble was that this guy was kind of a, a loud talker, and we were the only ones talking on this small, quiet plane. I'm a pastor, I said, quietly. You're a pastor, he responded, sounding a bit like he had just come in contact with an extraterrestrial or something. And then he leaned in close and whispered in a really loud voice, Do you believe in the devil? This isn't happening, I thought to myself. But then I looked over at him and saw the serious look in his face. This is happening. I nodded my head up and down in response to his question. Yeah, I do. Why do you ask? Because I've experienced evil, he said. And then he went on to tell me in too loud of a voice, I thought, about one of his close contacts with, with something, a presence, that left an indelible mark upon him. It's not always easy to talk about evil spirits, the demonic, uh, the devil. We immediately think of movies like The Exorcist, a movie most of us wish we could unwatch. Or we think about religious shysters who peddle angels and demons to try to draw a crowd. And do demons really exist? We wonder. We know ancient people thought they existed, but aren't those, aren't all those Bible stories simply examples of mental illness, perhaps, and not demonization? It's possible that some of the exorcisms we see performed by Jesus are examples of Jesus healing a disturbed mind. But others can't be explained away like this. The particular demon we meet in Luke 4 knows who Jesus is. He knows Jesus' identity. The others don't see what he sees. This demon knows that Jesus is the Holy One of God. Someone who simply has a mental illness cannot surmise the identity of another. And in the story of Luke, one of the stories previous to this, Jesus. He was sent out into the desert after his baptism, and there he's tempted by a real presence, the devil. For 40 days, the devil tempted Jesus, and for 40 days, Jesus resisted that temptation with the word of God. So yes, while mystery surrounds this strange being and those who are associated with him, the Bible is clear that there is a being and other forces in this world that are dead set against the rule and reign of Jesus Christ and the abundant life he came to bring. We see this conflict between the kingdom of God and the forces of evil. It's playing out in a small way in our text today. And we also see that the power of evil is no match for the authoritative word of the Son of God. Before we dive in, let's take a moment to be reminded of what we have learned about Jesus so far, specifically his identity and his own personal understanding of his call. Brittany reflected on that last week. When Jesus went to Nazareth, his hometown, he entered the synagogue, and there a scroll, the scroll of Isaiah was, gave to him, was given to him, and he opened it up to Isaiah 61, and he read this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me 
to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then in the mic drop moment of the millennium, Jesus sat down and said, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, the day of God's liberation has come. The kingdom of God is here, and I am the one who has been anointed by the Spirit to bring it. Jesus is quite sure of himself, and it's almost a little unnerving to have someone say that they are the fulfillment of Scripture. I don't know if you've ever had the chance to talk to someone who thought of themselves in such a high way. I once had a pastoral visit with a man who thought himself as the embodiment of both good and evil. And he referred to himself as, I am Jesus and I am the devil. And I was so confused, I don't think everything was right with this young man. Then he gave me a, a bag of quail eggs and told me that I could eat them. And I was like, eee. Let's pray. <laughs> yeah. But he saw himself as the fulfillment of God's plan. We generally think people who come to those kinds of conclusions perhaps are not in their right mind. And here Jesus says, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And if Jesus simply talked a big talk, we'd have good reason to question his sanity. But Jesus doesn't just talk the talk. He goes on to enact, to bring, to do as he says. He says, I have come to release the, the oppressed. And then he goes and he releases the oppressed. That's what happens in our text today. So after Nazareth, Jesus goes down to Capernaum, down to the lake, and there, as was his custom, he entered the synagogue and he began to proclaim good news. We don't know the particular sermon that Jesus gave that day, but we can assume that it was in line with the message he preached in Nazareth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The day of liberation is here. Many were amazed at Jesus' words, but there was one in the crowd who was not amazed. Verse 33, in the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the, top of his at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. We don't know where this man came from, why he's in the synagogue, Luke's main concern is simply to help us see that not all is well in this man's life. He's a captive. He's oppressed by this unclean, evil spirit. And the good word that has been preached that day by Jesus has riled up this dormant demon, as it is wont to do. Ha! The spirit cackles. Get away from us. What do you want from us? I know who you are. There's a little bit of taunting going on here. Some empty assertions of authority, you know. It's like, I know who you are. That's sort of like trying to put yourself over top of someone else. But Jesus won't engage the gibberish 
of this evil spirit, nor will he treat him as an equal. Instead, he responds with a firm, be quiet, a rebuke, be quiet. This be quiet command has less to do, I think, with the evil spirit knowing Jesus' identity, although that's probably part of it too. But I think it has more to do with Jesus putting this cornered little wordy demon in its place. Be quiet. Last week, one of my children was having a freakout session over something of little importance, screaming, no, 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 you know, and writhing on the floor. There was much weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sensing the moment needed a little parental authority, I stood up and just said, no, not right now. Right? There's a time for empathy. Empathy. Got a lot of empathy. There's a time to get down, to have a conversation, to talk it through. And there's also a time to simply stand up and use the authority given to make a command. No. I think maybe some of the teachers in the room might know about this, right? Every now and then, the classroom needs to know who's in control. This isn't happening, not in this classroom, right? Jesus has been given authority. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him, and he simply commands, no, quiet. And then he says, be gone, away. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. This strikes me as being a little like slamming the door on the way out. The unclean spirit is going to get one last jab before he's forced to find another home. And I love how Luke includes the detail about the man being uninjured. It reveals that Jesus has total control over this situation. Jesus has one eye on the cornered little evil spirit who's not going to leave peacefully, and he has the other eye on the man held captive. The one will be cast out, the other will be kept safe. On this, Daryl Bach says, the demon departs and the man is unharmed, the devil is defeated, and the man is protected. I just loved that when I read it. It seems so true. And so we see enacted Jesus living into his identity in the power of his anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to set the oppressed free. Jesus will also go on to show that he has authority over sickness and over ailments of all kinds. The next couple miracles that happen in Capernaum highlight Jesus' authority, not simply over the spiritual realm, but over the physical realm too. But I think it's fitting that the first miracle in Luke shows Jesus driving out an evil spirit. The Bible tells us that physical suffering and death entered the world as a result of sin. 
But in order to tell the sin story, you must first go back and tell the story of the serpent in the garden who somehow managed to slither his way into God's good world. We don't know much about this mysterious creature and his minions, but we know that his goal his goals are antithetical to the kingdom of God. God loves truth, beauty, and goodness. The devil loves lies, disorder, and badness. The signs of the Spirit's, Spirit's presence is faith, hope, and love, and the signs of the devil's presence are confusion, despair, and hatred. I think, symbolically, the devil's handiwork is best on display, actually, in the story of Adam and Eve. When the devil is done with them, they are naked and ashamed and hiding from God and one another in the bushes. And that's a good picture of the devil's ends. Drive them away from God. Drive them away from one another. Leave them naked and ashamed and hiding in the bushes. The thief comes to steal and destroy, said Jesus. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. We don't often see the ministry of Jesus as the kingdom of light conquering the kingdom of darkness. But this is a biblical theme. Jesus, the warrior. Jesus moving the kingdom of light into the world to scatter the darkness. It goes back to Genesis. There God cursed the serpent to live on its belly, eating dust all the days of its life. And then God said that one day a son of Eve would crush the serpent's head with its heel. And that's what Jesus did in a small way in the scene in Capernaum, and then in a big way through the death and resurrection, uh, uh, through, through his own death and resurrection. And then the scripture teaches too that when Jesus returns, this battle, this battle will be over. And the picture you get at the end of the book of Revelation is God throwing the dragon, who's basically uh, the symbol for the devil, into the lake of fire where it will be over. So that's the broad overview. But the big question I ask, and perhaps you're asking today, is, so what about us here and now, 2023, in Alston, Ontario? What do we make of this scene, and how does it impact us? And how are we to then participate in this? Well, it's important to know that while victory is assured, the battle against evil continues on in our life and in the world. And it's also important to know that the ministry of the Spirit-empowered Son of God continues through the Spirit-empowered Church. This is what we see in the book of Acts. Jesus sends out his apostles. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. And some of the first things that we see happening is that demons are being cast out. The church continues this ministry. Does it happen anymore? Do evil spirits still afflict and do spirit-empowered people still command them to leave in the name of Jesus? The answer is yes. 
A few years ago, the Washington Post published what I consider to be an amazing article written by a man named Richard Gallagher. You should look it up and read it today. Washington Post, Richard Gallagher. You'll find it. Google it. Gallagher is a clinical psychiatrist, and his day job is to diagnose and treat people with mental illnesses. He has his Ph.D. from Yale. A number of years ago, he was approached by a Catholic priest and was asked to be of assistance. The priest was looking for a consultant to help him determine if the people he was ministering to were suffering from demonization or suffering from mental illnesses. Gallagher told the priest that he wasn't too much into hocus-pocus spirituality, and the priest said, Good, I wouldn't want your assistance if I thought you were easily fooled. And thus began a journey for Gallagher that changed his life. Most of the people that religious leaders brought to him were indeed suffering from mental illnesses. But there were others who were brought brought to him that were weighed down by oppression of a different kind. And he has stories, story after story after story of interactions with people who are being oppressed by a demon. And his conclusion, after 25 years of doing this, is that there are cases where demonic presence is the only explanation that makes sense. We in the West have more trouble with this, but elsewhere in the world, people see this more often, all the time. Our tradition, the Reformed tradition, is not as well versed in this kind of ministry. It's often called deliverance ministry. Our gifts, historically, has more been, have more been preaching and teaching and serving. But it's important to know that since the days of Jesus, this ministry of deliverance, of release, it has carried on and it has not stopped. And it has not stopped because, well, demons, the devil has not stopped. I was speaking with Brittany about this last night. Uh, she has more experience of this than I do, although we both have experience. And I was asking, how do, how do I explain this? How do I describe how, how the devil works? And she just said this little phrase. Uh, it's kind of like demons are a little bit like rats to garbage. They find things. They get into things. Wherever there's food rotting, wherever there's problems like that, they, they, they get in, they get a foothold. You rarely see rats, but you can see and experience their impact. They find holes to squeeze through. They find food to eat. Maybe it's a painful memory. Maybe it's unconfessed sin. Maybe it's close contact with people or things that are just terrible, terrible, terrible. And they can just make their home there. But they don't belong. They don't belong. And Jesus came to kick them out. We can make too much of demons and start seeing them everywhere, especially in people that are giving us a hard time. But we can make too little of them too. There are forces in this world that are dead set against the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. 
Brittany and I have both experienced this firsthand in our own life and ministry. Brittany more than me. She has participated in prayer services and uh, deliverance ministry from time to time. And both of us are not afraid to go there and to be involved in that. And I wanted to say that just so that you know you could come and talk with us about that and we'd happily have those conversations and discern what Christ wants to do for you. And we're not afraid because we don't have to be. Yes, the powers of darkness are real and it is wise to keep one's distance and give them a little respect like you would any kind of cornered animal. But the power of the devil does not compare to the power of Jesus Christ. This is not a battle between equals. Wordy little demons are no match for the risen and ascended Lord. And in his name, and filled with his spirit, we too can say, quiet, be gone. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your name is great and powerful, and we have the same spirit that came upon you at your baptism is now upon us. Lord, you've commissioned us to be in this world serving you, participating in freedom, seeking life abundant, and being wary of the thief that has come to steal and destroy. Lord, we are thankful. We rest in the reality that this is not a battle between equals, but that you have won the battle. But we lament that there is much oppression out there, and maybe even in here. In sly little ways, the devil works. Lord, we humbly ask that you expose that in a way that protects our body and souls while getting rid of the problem. And help us, too, to be courageous and not afraid, but to lean into this, Lord, with the confidence that yours is the victory. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.